from Billy Press Talk Radio, Bill Furman, and Jim Chesco. It's Wednesday, June 24th, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, uh, for not having live sports, we sure have a lot to talk about tonight on all fronts. This is certainly a time like no other. Man, it is a time like no other for sure, Bill. <laughs> I should mention, I'm just finishing up my dinner. It's some pancakes. And uh, the authorities came and they took away my Aunt Jemima. And now they're coming after my Mrs. Butterworth. Can you believe that? Uh, by the way, I should mention Uncle Ben. He's hiding in the other room. So he better watch out. And before I forget, Bill, before they melt, would you care for an Eskimo pie? An Eskimo uh, pie bar. They're tasty. Keep the box. Yeah, they won't be around longer, much longer, I know. Collector's item. What a crazy, crazy <laughs> world we're living in. And uh, it is going on to our sports world, too. Uh, we've got baseball coming up. We're going to play 60-game regular season package. Lots of rule changes for us old guys. And the odds are out now, too, by the way. Yeah, I didn't see the the odds. I heard the over-under today. Uh, one of the guys in the radio is talking about it. The Phillies at 31.5, the Mets 32.5, Atlanta and Washington 33.5. So, you know, I hope they're right and that it's going to be a real close race over those 60 games. We shall see. Because uh, the Phillies last year started out 33-27. and 27, And even the previous year under Gabe, you know, they were off to a pretty good start after two months. So maybe that's the secret. Only play two months of baseball. Well, it, you know, it could go one of two ways here, I think. You know, yeah. this could be a, a fun sprint, a fun 60-game sprint to the finish, or it can be a disaster. Um, yeah. With injuries, you know, and, and, you know, we could talk about the Phillies a little bit. We'll probably talk about that with our guests. But, you know, if you're going to play almost every single day and then you're going to do double headers on missed games, you better have a lot of pitching. And they're going to expand the rosters. But uh, your starting five better be solid, and the Phils don't have a solid starting five, I don't think. They have a starting two or three, maybe, and then there are questions about the bullpen, too. And with guys not being stretched out fully with, you know, just three weeks of spring training part two, they're going to have to use the bullpen quite a bit. So it's going to be interesting. But, you know, a lot of other teams are in that same situation as well. Well, everybody is, uh, you know, and I, that's that's a big deal. And I guess that's what could ma actually make it a little bit fun. You know, if this turns out to be a good solid 60 game sprint down the down to the finish line. Um, but if, it, if it's the slow start coming out of spring training type mentality and activity, then we got a bad product that we're only going to watch on TV anyway. And, of course, there are all those uh, rule changes, too, that you old dinosaurs aren't going to be too happy with. You know, no <laughs> high fives, no using your hand to wipe the sweat from your forehead, and no spitting, Bill, just like we had that rule here, no spitting. Um, a DH, of course, for no all seeds. games this year. It's going to be pretty crazy. How, how can you play with no seeds? <laughs> yeah, I know. What are you going to do? I don't <laughs> think they're going to enforce that. Well, well, we're going to find out if they start spitting them, they're going to enforce it. I guess that's the main thing. But, hey, you know, one thing that uh, we're going to have our guests come on here in just a minute. I want to ask uh, 
Neil Hartman, our guest. Uh, what do you think about the runner on second base to start oh, yeah. the extra inning? Because uh, well, let's get it going. Let's get it going. Yeah. Well, here's one thing I want to throw out there, Chet. What about the guy? Just hypothetically, guy comes in, happens to come in, bad luck. He finishes his 60 game season. His record is say 0 and 6, but he's got an ERA of zero. <laughs> It could theoretically happen that way. So, right, he uh, gave up six singles with a guy on second. That guy can't be an earned run, right? Crazy. Yeah, and you know somebody could win the ERA with like a zero point nine eight because it's only a sixty game season. You could have a four hundred hitter. This is going to be a season like no other, Bill. That's right. Well, hey, let's get it going. Let's welcome a, a man with many titles, but we're going to use Emmy award winning sports anchor. How's that, Neil Hartman? Welcome back. Uh, glad to have you. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. It's nice to be with you guys. Hey, Neil, welcome back. Let's first talk about the whole Major League Baseball mess. I mean, the good news is there's going to be a baseball season. The bad news, it's a 60-game season with lots of new rules and all those restrictions that we alluded to related to the pandemic. And, oh, yeah, no fans. So, Neil, what's your level of excitement about this shortened season? Well, I'm just glad it's back. Uh, it'll be nice to have sports back and being able to see something that is – uh, team sport, um, obviously golf, NASCAR, um, some UFC fights, things like that have been back. But to be able to have a team sport back, I think will be special. Uh, it was funny because I watched that South Korea when that first was on ESPN, the baseball in South Korea. I actually watched about three, four innings of it because I was really intrigued just to see what it was like uh, with no fans in the stands. You know, what would you hear while watching it? And I was actually entertained. I thought it was pretty neat, pretty pretty uh, cool to watch it. I mean, you had Carl Ravitch and the analyst in two separate locations, and um, you know. But I think it's great for for just people who are sports fans to have something to watch again, and that won't be for another month anyway. So uh, we'll get used to that once we see it back in the, in late July. Well, hey, Neil, from the broadcast standpoint, um, we had Ray Fossey on with us a couple times here in the last few months. Ray's still voice of the Oakland A's. And uh, what he shared with us is that they're going to do home games home uh, away games. They're going to do from a mock uh, trailer sitting in the stadium parking lot. And they're going to broadcast basically what we see as fans watching. Uh, how hard is that to do a game from a broadcaster standpoint? Yeah, I've done it a couple of times. It's not easy. Um, I mentioned Carl Ravage doing it. Uh, I went to Ithaca college, Carl went to Ithaca college and uh, to watch him do the game. It's very difficult. Uh, you, you'd be surprised how much you pick up from just being at the stadium and feeling things. And you see out of the peripheral vision, you'll see something that's going on and to your left. And then it, you're picking up a lot of things that you won't normally pick up if you're in a, a booth. Like here, I'm in a room and I had to do a game. It would be a, a lot different. Um, but, you know, I think these are different times. We have to make adjustments. And that's one of the adjustments you have to make. So, Neil, assuming there are no more snafus and there is a season starting July 23rd or 24th, it's a 60-game season, as we said, um, and assuming everybody is healthy, which is also a big assumption in this era, uh, what do you think of the Phillies? We know they have pitching questions, but their lineup looks pretty good. Uh, how do you think the Phillies can do in this 60-game season? Well, I'm very intrigued to see how Joe Girardi does with the, with, with the club. Uh, you look, this is a proven, successful manager that comes in with a, with a club with a lot of expectations. I mean, when Bryce Harper joined the Phillies, everybody thought, oh, now we got the piece. We're going to be fine. 
you know, and injuries have played a factor. And, and I think we, you know, pitching has been a, a disappointment as well. Um, I th- I'd like to see Aaron Nola get back to being Aaron Nola, who he was a couple of years ago, rather than wait. There's no time to wait now. You got to get off to a good start because if you don't, you're in trouble. Um, 60 games in 66 days. You mentioned Chet injuries uh, or illness. Look, we're going to, someone's, the Phillies are going to have players that are going to get COVID-19. It's going to happen. I mean, look, there's been 12 players or staff members and players, seven players and staff members, 12 in in total with the Phillies that have already been, um, you know, COVID-19 positive. So now you know that's going to happen during the season. I just can't see it not happening. And then you throw in injuries. Remember, they're going to have about a three-week spring training. So now you're going to have the players, the pitchers in particular, that are going to have to ramp things up in a pretty quick period of time. And then, oh, by the way, once you start playing on July 23rd or 24th, you better start winning because you don't have a lot of room for error. So all this comes into play. But to me, the most interesting part of all this is not even a guy on the field. I think it's Joe Girardi. I want to see how he pushes the buttons to see how the Phillies react. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I know we were all excited about Joe coming in. He's going to, we're going to see, like you say, it's going to be a sprint. Well, hey, Neil, we were talking in the opening uh, before you got on. I think you were you were kind of listening. Uh, what do you think of the rule changes? What do you think about that runner on second in extra innings? That that and the DH, I think, uh, are going to be interesting. So when I, I, I was involved in Mount Laurel baseball for eight years, I'm a, a board member and I coach travel baseball. And, and memory serves me correct, um, there were times when we were in tournaments and that was one of the extra inning rules. So you would start with a player on second. Um, and I remember we lost one game because this team was really good at bunting and they bunted the guy around and then they did a suicide squeeze and that's how they beat us. Mm. And I'm like, oh man, this, you know, it, it, it's different, but it will speed things up. And I think you, you're trying to avoid these long games because there's just, you just don't have that opportunity, I think, in this this setup to be able to go, you know, 13, 14 innings one day, then come right back the next day. Because, again, as I mentioned, there's just no time between these games, 60, 60 days or 60 games, 66 days. There's just no time for the players. Um, it's an interesting rule. It's just like I, in, in the NFL or, or not NFL, in, in college football, when you, you get the ball um, on the, what is it, the 20-yard line or 25 or 30 or whatever it is. Um, right that you're able to, you know, have an opportunity to score a touchdown. Um, I, I think this will be an interesting uh, component to any extra inning game. Now, we may get back to baseball uh, if we have time, but I want to touch on a couple other topics with you, Neil. If all goes well, there will also be some pro basketball about a month from now down in Florida. Uh, if they do resume, how do you like the Sixers chances to get it together? Again, assuming everybody comes back in healthy and ready to play. I have no idea how they're going to perform. <laughs> I just don't. I don't think anybody does. I, I just, I, I don't know. This team is such an enigma. Uh, now playing on a neutral site, is that, is that going to be like playing at home? Or is that going to be like playing on the road? How's Ben Simmons going to come back? How's that back now? I, 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 what kind of shape is Joel Embiid going to be in? I, I mean, there's so many different questions that I could ask about the Sixers. They have the talent. They have the ability to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. I'm not sure if they're as good as Milwaukee, but um, can they get it done? Yeah, I I would say they have the shot to get it done, but I I have no idea how this team is going to come back, how this team is going to come back and respond. Um, But 
I'm just glad again. I'm glad they're they're back playing basketball. Although you know, there's some players now are concerned about that environment, about playing at Disney World and and the way it's, things have spiked down in Florida. Um, all this is going to make it uh, interesting. Again, no one in the stands. It's going to be really bizarre to have players because when you sit courtside and you hear action that's going on, there's talking going on all the time, and you're going to hear this going on. I mean, there's some players, they're mouthy, man. They like to talk. You're going to hear things that you've never heard before because in a full arena, you don't hear that stuff. But, you know, obviously over the course of my career, I've been lucky being courtside and you hear these things. And I think it's going to be pretty interesting for the audience to hear what's going on. Well, I think that the thing that that I guess I'm most concerned about is the product itself in, in all the sports, playing in empty arenas, playing in empty stadiums. Like you said, the intensity that takes place during a game. And, and so much of that is fan driven, especially for the home team. Um, it just worries me that, that we're not going to see a good product. And I, I'm sure the leagues are concerned about that as well. I think in baseball and in basketball, the product is not going to be all that good in the beginning. I would imagine, you know, so basically you have two months by the time they get to the playoffs in late September or in September or late September, I guess it is at that point, you, you'll start to see some, some better play. Uh, basketball, I think, is going into October as well for the NBA Finals. So I think in the beginning, it'll be a little questionable how good the play will be. But as time goes on, I think that will get better. Uh, these are extraordinary athletes. Um, and you'd like to believe they're in pretty good shape right now on their own. And then they get back together with their teammates and see how they perform. But, um, uh, you know, this is this is all part of what we're getting used to now with, with sports in this day and age of uh, seeing these athletes train again or having a season stopped and now getting back up and going again. It, you know, all this is going to be fascinating to watch. Hey, Neil, I was just thinking, we talked to you previously about the fact that uh, you were the guy who asked Allen Iverson the question about <laughs> practice that set him off, you know, practice, we're talking about practice. Uh, and it was just the anniversary of that a month or two back. How often do people ask you about that? Uh, there was just a really big story done in the athletic. I saw that, yeah. um, which was pretty cool. Um, Rich Hoffman, uh, Rich Hoffman used to be with the Daily News. His son, Rich Hoffman Jr., mm-hmm. wrote the article and did a really, really nice job. He he reached out to like uh, I'm going to say like 20, 30 people uh, that were there or were involved in everything that went on. Um, I would say from time to time, you know, people bring it up. Uh, particularly, I, I do get uh, you know a little bit of notice when it's the anniversary, whatever year it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I personally, for me, I think I mentioned this to you before, Chet, that when um, in 2016, when Allen went into the Basketball Hall of Fame, they announced it at the Final Four in Houston where I was there to cover Villanova. And I th- I did ask Allen if he knew who was the guy who asked the question. He, and he said, I did not. And I said, it was me. And he goes, oh, I liked you. you know, <laughs> he, he, he didn't know. And so that was nice for me to bring it full circle, to be able to go back to him and and just you know reminisce but for him he said there's not a day that goes by that somebody does not say practice so it happens well you deal uh, in your personal affairs you've got a whole lot of activities going on with your broadcasting school and some other things share a little bit of that about uh, to the listeners that didn't hear some of it the first time we were together yeah so four years ago i left comcast Sportsnet, now nbc sports philadelphia um, when you're at that point, look, they, the, the news has changed. And what was what we were doing, you know, I was there almost 19 years. And what we did for those 19 years was was pretty revolutionary in in the industry. 
Uh, and then Comcast kept adding these regional sports networks and we could cover things and all that. It was great. I loved my time. It was wonderful. Uh, and I did it for, you know, as a sportscaster for over 30 years. But, you know, there's, there's other things I like to do. And so when I kind of checked in, what, what do I want to do? And, and I, I always thought teaching would be pretty interesting. So I started teaching. I ended up being a temple for a couple of years. And then uh, last year, uh, it's almost coming up on a one-year anniversary, I joined Rowan University as the director of the Center for Sports Communication and Social Impact. And my main job is to mentor students, uh, to help them with internships, uh, bring uh, prominent guest speakers to campus. Uh, we had Charles Barkley there in October. Uh, we had some 700 students here. Charles talk it was a pretty entertaining night. And then, um, you know, that that's part of my role. And then I also teach the history of sport in Philadelphia. And I have a lot of guest speakers that come and join us for class. So that's one aspect of what I'm doing now. And that all kind of emerged over time of just seeing, well, what do I want to really do? And then during this period, about uh, two, a little over two years ago, uh, Jeremy Treatment, who runs, uh, who started the play-by-play uh, -play sports broadcasting camps, uh, this is the 19th summer that uh, he's had the camps, uh, asked me if I'd be interested in getting involved, and uh, it kind of aligned with what I was doing with the, the higher education, and I said, yeah, this makes sense. We have campers 10 to 18. Uh, they're now, we're now, I should say, we are in like 11 cities, um, but obviously with COVID-19, uh, and everything that's going on, we are doing virtual camps starting on Monday. And it's a really neat setup. It, it's, uh, we've, it's been eye-opening about what we can do going forward with this kind of format. So we're going to go for a couple hours in the morning for the East Coast guys. Remember, this camp's all over the country. So we're in L.A., we're in you know, Dallas, you know, Chicago, all different time zones. So we have a morning session. We'll have a kind of a noontime session. We'll have a guest where everybody can kind of jump on board. And then we have an afternoon session for the West Coast and Midwest guys. And then uh, an evening session, we'll bring another guest. So for three weeks, campers can, can jump on board anytime when we do a session Monday through Friday. And it's really been well-received. It's sold out. We had 150 campers sign up very quickly. So we added a second session. So starting on Monday and going all the way until early uh, August, we're going to be doing these virtual camps. So I think it's pretty cool. We've got some great guests. Our first guest is Adam Schefter. Doesn't get much better than that. So we're really proud and pleased what we were able to do there. Um, and then I have my own company that I'm, I'm involved in, in projects. I'm involved in a documentary right now. And um, I was going to do something with Major League Baseball, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Uh, last year I did something with their, their draft. I was going to do it again this year, but the draft kind of changed. So all that is uh, kind of what I've been involved in now, and, and it's, uh, it's invigorating. It's, it's really cool. There's a lot of different things I'm able to do, and I still do some sports things here and there. I did a thing for Channel 17 with Smarty Jones, a recognition last Labor Day last year. So every now and then I'll do some sports stuff as well. And, and some people have asked me to do some things, but primarily my job is now behind the scenes and really mentoring. Yeah. I, uh, I do follow you on Twitter and, you know, on your Facebook posts and everything. I see that you are a busy guy and I want to ask you about the Rowan thing. My son is actually going to be a senior at Rowan. He's not in broadcasting though. Um, but yeah, you are the director of the center for sports communication and social impact at Rowan. And I'll tell you, I envy those kids because in addition to hearing from you, They've had guest speakers like Larry Boa, Ray Didinger, Fran Dunphy, John Clark, Tom McCarthy, and as you mentioned, Charles Barkley. It's a shame you can't get any big names to join you, Neil. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I think that was one of the values that I brought to the table. Um, I was thrilled that they they gave me the opportunity to join them at Rowan. They're really good people. I have a wonderful relationship with the communication dean, 
Sandy Tweedy. He's wonderful. My office is right next to his and uh, he's a big sports fan and he, uh, he sees the value. This program at Rowan, our sports communication and media program started about two years ago. And John Janini, the former LaSalle basketball coach was the original director of the center for sports communication and social impact. And John's now the athletic director at Rowan. And John reached out to me. He's actually the one who said, Hey, Neil, I think you'd be perfect for this job. I want you to, I want you to apply. I want you to talk to the Dean. And that's how I ended up getting the job. Um, and it was, um, you know, it's, it's been wonderful to see our program. You know, you hear about colleges hurting with, with enrollment and all that. We're probably going to hit the same number of uh, freshmen that enrolled last year. And that was a record year last year. So we have well over 200 students in less than two years in the program. And I, I'm really excited about where we're taking this program and the things that we're adding to it. Um, it's been very exciting. So Chet, your son, you said it was your son, right? Yes. Your son should have made a decision to join us at sports camp, but that's all right. We'll accept it. And maybe uh, do you have any other kids looking for college right now? My daughter graduated from Rowan. She's in biochemistry. My son's oh. in uh, computer stuff. So oh, they have real jobs. They have real yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, speak. Can I? I want to ask a follow up regarding jobs like that. Yeah. We know what's happened, Neil, with newspapers in recent years. Plus, a lot of TV networks have made cutbacks, as you know. What do you tell students about what it takes to succeed nowadays in the communications business? Well, there's, there's, it's different. The business is different than when I, I, I attended Ithaca College. And when I came out of college, I went to the the, tra- the, the traditional route at that time was you go to a, a, an ABC. I went to an ABC affiliate in Springfield, Massachusetts. Then I went to an NBC affiliate in Toledo, Ohio. Then I came to Philadelphia. And when I met my wife in 1989, my girlfriend at the time, I said, listen, the likelihood is that I'm probably going to move. Um, but, I, you know, let's see what happens. Well, I did move. I moved five times in Philadelphia. Channel 17, WIP, worked at 1210, worked at Channel 3, worked at Comcast Sportsnet. So I was lucky. I moved all within the city. So since uh, the late 80s, I've been in Philadelphia, and uh, it's treated me very, very well. However, the business today is there are jobs out there. They're just different. And there's so many different platforms, and you can almost create your own platform. Look what you guys have created, right? Look what you've created. You and Billy have created this, this, this platform that you have. And I give you all the credit in the world that you guys keep this thing running, you know, each and every year. It's great. I think it's, it's, it's a great, a great opportunity for you guys to be able to talk sports, bring guests, people and so forth. So that's what I tell our students. They're, they're out there or be creative and start your own. And some have, uh, so uh, I, you know, I, today I probably talked to about uh, a dozen students. It's great. It's, it's, you know, giving them advice, trying to see, you know, internships have been really hard on these students, but starting in uh, July, things, things, some things are going to start to open up and give them an opportunity to be able to, you know, pursue some internships as well. But, um, you know, that's, that's the business has changed, but not necessarily for the worse. It's just different. Well, Neil, how can the listeners or their children or whatever, uh, how can they follow you? How can they get on board for maybe the next time, if, if this time's too late? Um, where, where's all your places to check you out? Wow, that's a loaded question. I don't know. There's a lot of different places. When you ask me what email, I'm thinking like, well, what email do I give these guys today? I don't know. Which one? I got six of them. Um, no, you know what? Follow Rowan's. Sports uh, Cam on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you're a student, you're interested in what's going on at Rowan, um, you know. And if you, you you look at any of the Rowan's uh, sites, you can always go to the 
um, Rowan Sports Communication and Media. It's within the School of, of Communication and Creative Arts. And you can look and see what uh, we have available if you're interested in that program. Um, for, you know, for the other things that I do for play-by-play sports broadcasting camps, play-by-plays, uh, play-by-play camps. Uh, oh, boy, I better get this right now. Play-by-play play-by-plays. <laughs> Playbyplaycamps.com. Playbyplaycamps.com. So uh, that there are some for the second session. I told you we had 150, and right away we're close to around 100, and we've got another month to go till we fill up to about 150. So playbyplaycamps.com. Check that out. Uh, Playbyplay Sports Broadcasting Camps. Uh, great opportunity if you have a 10 year old to 18, uh, and then next year we'll get back into running. Um, hopefully these camps in person. So those are probably the two best ways to see what's going on. Hey, Neil, before you go, I just want to mention that I've been friends with this guy for about 30 years, Bill Barnes, and he saw that you were going to be on the show tonight, and Bill said to say hello. He says you are one of his favorite human beings. Uh, from Temple, correct? Yes. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, I met him by doing a story on him uh, back in the day, and uh, he's a good good guy, and that's very kind of him to say that. And uh, look, I've met a lot of wonderful people here over the years. It's one of the one of the great things about being uh, in, in a public position like that, where you, you're going and covering events and you meet people all over the place. And, um, you know, some of them become good friends over the years. And uh, when you see them, it's always great to, you know, say hi. Absolutely. Very good. Well, hey, Neil, we are about out of time. We appreciate you coming by. Great information and uh, good luck with your camps. That, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Bill. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you. And uh, good luck to you guys. I guess uh, now last year when I talked to you, I think it was Leslie joined us. I was poolside. This year I came inside for you. You know, I don't think you need to see me in a speedo. I think we'll we'll, we'll put that aside. But thanks for having me, and I wish you guys continued success. All right, thank you. Hey, Chet, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, we do, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700. Again, that number, 610-430-0700. And, you know, Bill, I got some grief for playing songs from Barry Manilow and Blake Shelton last week. So let's get back to rock and roll this week. How about a little ZZ Top? I'm ready for Yeah, you can't go wrong with ZZ Top. So uh, there you go, guys. <laughs> All right. Hey, Chet, uh, before we start talking hockey, I wanted to throw back out there, you know, uh, Neil's doing these camps, and they're, they're, that's really cool. It's a really cool idea. But how smooth is he, man? Talk about a pro's pro. Yeah, Neil's great. I, I miss when, uh, you know, he was on Comcast Sportsnet, as it was known back then. He was one of the original anchors, you know, back in 1997, along with Leslie and D and Michael Barkan and D Gunn. So uh, good to see that he's still in the area. He's made it his home and uh, still obviously a very busy guy. He's yeah, he's definitely very smooth and knows what he's talking about. Yeah, well, and you can you can see the passion as he was talking about what he's doing. You could tell uh, he's the kind of guy that uh, you know some of us average students might be pretty excited about sitting. Uh, sitting listening to in class yeah he's, he's got a good gig yes he does 
Hey, Chet, uh, let's talk hockey. The Lightning, they shut down their camp in Florida. Uh, that's not good, but the Flyers are still skating in Voorhees. Carter Hart is now in town, and it was great to see Oscar Lindblom on the ice. That has to be a bright spot for everybody. Yeah, you know, we don't know a whole lot about these informal practices, but we did see the video of Oscar skating around at what appeared to be pretty much close to full speed. And boy, that was just awesome to see, as you said, Bill. I mean, he was diagnosed just six and a half months ago with the cancer, but the good news is his chemo treatments are winding down now. He says he is feeling pretty good. And in case people are wondering, no, he will not be available for the conclusion of the 2019-20 season that uh, should get going again in about a month. But the Flyers believe he will be good to go at some point early in the 2020-2021 season. So we hope that's the case. Yeah, and, you, you know, obviously nothing but the best for him if he never plays another minute of hockey. Uh, still nothing but the best for him. But, hey, you know, this whole thing with the lightning shutting down, uh, you know, Sam told us, Sam Carcitti told us a couple of weeks ago, a schedule that it looked like uh, was going to play out. And then all of a sudden hockey kind of jumped that schedule a little bit, it looked like. And now they're slowing down. The lightning shutting down. They still haven't named the hub cities yet. They, they started to. Uh, it looks like Vegas and Toronto are the first two, if that stays that way. Um, I don't see this thing happening when they say it's going to happen. Well, I mean, we talk about this every week. It's just an ever-changing thing, and we don't know what's going on, but we haven't heard a whole lot about you know any of the NHL plans over the last couple of weeks since we had Sam on. There's really been nothing new. I mean, we've heard a couple of flyers coming in and skating around. Uh, you know, Carter Hart in there, as you indicated, in addition to some of the other names that we knew, like Couturier and, as you said, Oscar Lindblom the other day. Um, but beyond that, we don't know, like, like you said, where the hub cities are or exactly what the plan is right now. And I, I don't think the NHL knows for sure because they're just waiting to see what happens with these additional spikes in the coronavirus cases, how teams are handling it. So, you know, if they're playing hockey – on August 1st, that'd be great. If not, we won't be shocked either. No, absolutely. Well, hey, speaking of the Flyers, Jet, the Hall of Fame class of 2020 was announced this afternoon. Flyers, Rod Brindamore, Brian Prop, Jeremy Roenick, all on the player ballot. Uh, unfortunately, none of them got in. No, I know Jerome McGinley was a lock and he did get in. I think you said Kevin Lowe was in there, a couple other guys. Um, but yeah, no prop, no Ronick, no Rod Brindamore. And, you know, we saw Brindamore getting talked up in a couple of articles in the last few days, but Brian prop is like the, the forgotten man. And we're not just, you know, campaigning for the proper cause he's been on our show three or four times, but look at his numbers, a 15 year career, 1,016 games, 1,004 points, almost a point a game. 425 goals, 579 assists. Uh, he was a plus 298 over his career. Just a good, solid winger. And it's like nobody even mentions him in the Hall of Fame talk, except us and, you know, occasionally a writer throwing his name in there as a, yeah, maybe, but probably not kind of guy. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I beat this drum for quite a few years uh, since we've been doing this show that I thought probably, was was a Hall of Famer and that he should have been in. And and you're right. It just, uh, you know, but I guess in Kevin Lowe's case, it took 19 seasons to get in. And it took probably a Wayne Gretzky uh, speech last year saying that Lowe should have got in uh, to get over the hump this year. So 
Um, there's always hope out there, but uh, I don't know how you get a whole lot better 19 years later. Unless you're Jerry Kramer and it takes you 50 years. <laughs> yeah. And as far as Jeremy Roenick, another guy who we thought might have a shot 20 years in the NHL, more than 500 goals. Uh, he was uh, he was actually a little less off in terms of points per game compared to prop. Uh, more than 1,300 games and just a little over 1,200 points total. But I think, you know, JR maybe was hurt a little bit by the incident he had, uh, the, the charges of some inappropriate activity over the past year, but Jr. certainly worthy of consideration as is Rod Brindamore, who, as you know, was one of my favorite flyers of all time, Brindy. Yeah. Well, saying something bad on a podcast like ours, Chet, um, with what's going on in our world, I, I don't think that's really should make a big difference. It should not. It should not. Okay. We never say anything bad, so we're safe. That's right. Jerome McGinley, Marion Hosa, Kevin Lowe, and Doug Wilson. Before that went in today for those pretty good names. Yeah, oh yeah. All good players, all probably deserve to be there, but uh so did those flyers, I think. Maybe next year. Yep, absolutely. Well, uh Chet, I gotta ask you. Restrictions have been lifted in southeastern Pennsylvania, and that has to be great news for the folks at the Irish Rover Station House. And I know for you, because you like to frequent there. What do they have going on? Believe it or not, I haven't actually been there over the past week. I was there the two times the previous week, but uh, I'll get there again. Don't you worry. Yeah, they're continuing for now to do outdoor seating and takeout, but I believe that could change in July because, yeah, the restrictions are easing further, so stay tuned. But for now, the Irish Rover is open Wednesday through Sunday, and it was 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's still 3 to 9 Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday, but now they're open till midnight, Friday and Saturday, so you can go and grab a table out Outside, no indoor seating just yet, uh, or you can order takeout, of course, and you can even get cocktails to go. As uh, you know, I sampled those and they're yummy. And Bill, if you're looking for some extra work, hey, you never know. The Rover in Langhorn is hiring bartenders, servers, and bussers. So keep that in mind if you want another job, Bill. Get all the details on their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. And uh, Billy, how about a little Springsteen music right now? I'm a real fan of that song. I like that song, always have, but these have not been glory days, Chet. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But I just thought it would be a good little song to go into our next segment because uh, we're going to talk about a lot of glory days of some Philly athletes. Yes, we are. In the WIP, you know, they polled the top 20 Philadelphia athletes over the last 50 years, 1970 to the present. They're down to the last few. There's two left. Um, I think you have some issues with this list, Chet, uh, so far. I know I do. Um, and it should, I guess, be noted this list is based on votes from fans, listeners, and hosts. So lay it out there, then we'll beat it up. I, I think it's mostly, in this case, the fan votes. And uh, I'll here, I'll hold it up to you for the camera right there. There you go. You got it? So in a nutshell, Jason Peters is number 20. Number 19, Cole Hamels. Take note, everybody. Number 18, Ryan Howard. Number 17, Moses Malone. Number 16, Randall Cunningham. Okay, not too bad so far. Number 15, Jimmy Rollins. Number 14, Eric Lindros. Maybe higher? I don't know. Number 13, definitely too low in this case, Joe Frazier, Smoking Joe. Number 12, Charles Barkley. 
Number 11, Donovan McNabb. Number 10, Bernie Perrant. Bernie should have been hired. Now, here we go. Now we're getting into some problems. Number nine, Nick Foles. We'll discuss that in a second. Number eight, Steve Carlton, probably too low for him. Number seven, Julius Irving. Number six, Bobby Clark. You know that's too low. And, Bill, I think you're going to have problems with these next three as far as where they are. Number five, Chase Utley. Number four, Brian Dawkins. And number three, Bill, Reggie White. And that leaves number two that will be announced tomorrow, right? And number one comes yeah. to that. And I guess the two they're, that we feel like are left are Mike Schmidt and Allen Iverson, Allen Iverson and Mike Schmidt. Right. They're going to do both of those tomorrow morning, Thursday. So uh, we'll just see. We assume it's in that uh, those two guys, Mike Schmidt and Allen Iverson, one, two or two and one. But all right. Some of these guys, let's first talk uh, Joe Frazier at number 13. You think he should have been higher? Higher. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I thought so. Um, number nine, Nick Foles. There are still a lot of people beating the drum for Nick Foles, who, I mean, we loved because he was the quarterback who, you know, helped us win the Super Bowl big time after the 2017 season. But let's keep things in perspective. Yeah, he had the great 2013 season when he took over for Michael Vick, 27 touchdown passes, two interceptions, uh, but then a playoff loss. Um, and then, of course, the 17 season when he relieved Carson Wentz in early December and they won the Super Bowl. But he had like a couple of maybe two and a half, three good games in that stretch right there. And then again, helped them get to the playoffs in 2018. But that's it. You're talking about maybe, you know, 15, 18 games where he was very good. The rest of his career in Philly and elsewhere was not that great. And I don't know how he ended up in the top 10. No idea. No. And I mean, if, if you're going with fan favorite, you know, if this is, this is supposed to be a goat, right. He ain't a goat. (laughs) If it's a fan favorite, Nick Foles is a lot of people's fan favorite because he won the Super Bowl. Then call it that. Then maybe we could go there. And, and I'll, I'll take the same position with Chase Utley at number five, way, way, way too high. Um, Yeah. Chase Sully's not even going to be a Hall of Famer and will probably never even get serious consideration. So that's just, we loved the way Chase Utley played. He was a solid player for several years, but he's not a baseball Hall of Famer. And I mean, there's no way he should be even in the top 10, in my view. But again, some of this is popularity, like a baseball all-star game vote, you know, when the fans had such a big say in it. It's just that we like the guy, we like the way he played, but he's not one of the greatest of the last 50 years. Well, and, and I think if you're going to look at that 2008 bunch, you've got Rollins at 15, Howard at 18, Hamels at 19, but Utley at five? You know, they got you got to bunch them up. They did a pretty good job of bunching up 15, 18, and 19. Um, Road chase back there at 14, 15, 16, wherever you want to slot them. Um, and I'm good with that, but five, no good player, you know, solid player, but he don't belong up here. And, uh, two other guys that we had, I think in our top five, Julia serving and Steve Carlton were seven and eight here. And again, this could be partly a reflection of the fact that, you know, we're kind of old bill. And uh, a lot of the people who are voting are probably much younger than us and didn't even see Carlton and Irving in their prime days which was of course you know the late 70s and early 80s so that could be part of it 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, again, this goes back to the whole Brian Dawkins conversation. You can't take any way, anything away from Brian Dawkins, the player. Um, but to young people, Brian Dawkins is our Mike Schmidt or our, you know, our Julius Irving uh, because they saw him. You know, it was enlightening to me. And, I, and shoot, I have a son that's the same age who's behind the screen here for us, Billy, uh, same age as, as young Fred. And it, it shocked me when Fred said the other night he had never seen Mike Schmidt play. He had never seen Dr. J play. And, you know, you just assume they have. Um, but they haven't. So they're not going to vote for these guys. Well, I mean, that's like us trying to describe how good Joe DiMaggio or Richie Ashburn were because we never saw them play, you know, in the – 50s and early 60s because we weren't around watching sports yet so it's the same kind of thing so they hear the name Mike Schmidt and they you know hear he was great and greatest third baseman of all time but that's like somebody saying oh how about that Richie Ashburn he was great we never saw him and so it's just not the same kind of connection and so I'd be hesitant to vote for you know Richie Ashburn for something because I didn't see him uh I want to get to the top three guys or the top well three and four in this case a couple of former Eagles Number four, Brian Dawkins, and number three, Reggie White. Uh, I know the answer, but you think they're both obviously way too high? Oh, no. No, no, I wouldn't say way too high. Uh, I would certainly put Clark ahead of both of them. Um, I would, too. Yeah, and Irving and Iverson's too high. If Iverson is one or two, he's too high. Uh, He's not ahead of Bobby Clark. No, I'm I'm not going there. Um, I could go Schmidt, Clark, one and two without any trouble at all. And then, yeah, you know, and then you got the Irvings and Carlton's and, uh, and, and, and a Dawkins, Dawkins fits in there. Perron fits in there. They're, they're in that top five or six. Yeah. Uh, remember I had Schmidt number one, Bobby Clark, number two, Dr. J number three. Then I had Carlton four, Bernie Perron five. AI six and Reggie white seven. And as I mentioned last week, uh, Reggie white is number two for Ray Didinger on his list, right behind Mike Schmidt. And I think you, you don't value Reggie white quite as highly as you should. Uh, His numbers were amazing over a sack game and his 1987 season when in 12 games, because of the strike shortened season, he had 21 sacks. Uh, one of the greatest seasons by a defensive player in the NFL in history. So I think you got to give Reggie White more credit, Bill. Uh, I did. I did. I put him in the top five, six, seven, eight. I, that's good. It's not It's not a bad thing. Okay. I'm not putting him ahead of Bernie Perron. He didn't win anything here, for one. I, mean, like, I hear you. You know, uh, just, just, just wasn't a fan. I just like to give you a hard time. Oh, that's okay. And I, and uh, you're not the only one that's ever given me a hard time about that <laughs> position. That's that's And, uh, you know, uh, I said that I would back off of that a little bit, but we had somebody that actually played with him uh, tell us how great he was. And we did. Barrett Brooks. Barrett Brooks, yeah. And, and Seth Joyner both, I believe, uh, when we had Seth with us, said the same thing. And, uh, you know, I just, just wasn't one of my favorites, you know? Okay. I, don't make him a bad guy, I guess, just not on top of my list. Well, we shall see you if it's going to be Allen Iverson or Mike Schmidt uh, coming in at number one on the WIP thing. 
I really hope it's Schmidt. Nothing against Allen Iverson, certainly a great player, but Mike Schmidt is absolutely the best of the last 50 years in Philadelphia. Well, absolutely. And if you go by the criteria that I used in our, in our Mount Rushmore, uh, when you talk about Mike Schmidt, just like I said about Steve Carlton being a left-handed pitcher, the list starts with him at number one or number two. If you're from Baltimore, you might have him at number two. If you're anywhere else, you have him at number one. Um, so how could he not be number one in Philly when he's number one at all of baseball? Yes, indeed. So come on, Schmitty, pull this one out. There you go. All right, hey, Chet, uh, moving on. Going to say it's not good news coming out of Happy Valley regarding the college football when the school is held off on student season tickets. Hopefully it's just caution at this point. Um, but oh. something else came out today also um, that's, a, that's a little bit different. Um, they, the Penn State sent a letter to the Letterman telling them that all pregame sideline activities are out. No more of that this year in 2020. And also they're expecting to have a much lower capacity than 107,000 in Beaver Stadium. They just haven't worked that out yet. That's not good. Yeah, that's not good at all. Um, keep in mind, football season typically starts the last weekend of August for some schools, the first weekend of September for others. That is a mere two months away. And we have no idea yet whether there's going to be a full season, a partial season, which stadiums will have fans, which will have, you know, some fans like you're alluding to there. I pity the folks in Happy Valley and at other schools who are trying to plan for this because they have to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, and maybe even a plan D. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> no. I mean, I, I guess, you know, at a place like Penn State and a whole lot of other, you know, top schools uh, that have whatever number you want to use, 60 to 110,000 uh, season ticket holders, basically. Um, you're going to tell longtime season ticket holders you don't get tickets, or if you have two, you now get one. Um, how how do you make any sense out of this? And, oh, by the way, um, you can't tailgate. You can't do this. You can't do that. There's going to be a seat in between you. It, it's just it's a nightmare. It really is. I just wish we could start this whole entire year over, <laughs> not just because of sports, but, you know, for all sorts of reasons. And I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in the next month or two with any of these sports. We don't know for sure if there's going to be baseball or NFL or college football. We're hopeful at this point, but uh, it's a week to week thing. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I guess, I, I, you know, I, I was going to say, you know, because you know I'm a diehard college football fan. College football but without fans might be the worst of all the sports without fans because it's such a rabid home field advantage and the whiteouts and those things that different schools now do. Um, to not have them and playing these games in empty caverns, you know, in, in an, an empty 110,000-seat stadium playing a scrimmage, uh, against Michigan or Ohio State just doesn't get it. No, it's going to be very, very strange. And, you know, I guess they'll do it if they have to, but it's just going to be, as you said, very, very strange to, you know, look at Beaver Stadium and see, you know, only 10,000 fans there instead of 100,000 or you know maybe 30,000 if we're lucky. Um, it's just not going to be the same. 
Uh, so we'll just go week to week, as we said, and update everybody on what we know and what they're telling us and hope for the best. Absolutely. Well, I know we all want to get back to, uh, to action. That's for sure. But, uh, it ain't going to be easy in any of the sports. It's not going to be easy. And, uh, I just hope that it remains fun in some, some way. You know. Speaking of fun, I saw today that uh, the Philly fanatic, who we thought was going to be sidelined the whole year, will be allowed to do some of his things at the games this year. He just can't go on the field. So I guess he'll have to, like, stand on top of the dugout or, you know, be in a corner somewhere, <laughs> be in video, because the games are going to be televised. And so he's going to be entertaining. He's going to be entertaining the people watching on television, I guess. They will cut to him occasionally because, yeah, there's not going to be fans there. So, but. Hey, the fanatic at least will be involved in some small capacity. Wow! Uh, that, <laughs> that, uh, unless Tommy the Sword is going to be at every game, I, I'm, just not, I'm just not seeing that. <laughs> this is the kind of year we have, Bill. I guess. I guess. Well, hey, Jet. Let's take another quick break. Let's thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page, so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They've changed some things up with a very popular mystery boxes and razzes with just 11 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 11. Great odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Razroom. That's right. PPCC118 Razroom on Facebook. And hey, Bill, before we move on, we need to say happy 75th birthday to this lady. Tomorrow, Thursday, the great Carly Simon. Can you believe she is 75? Hey, go ahead. Yeah, well, let's let me just say that I bought this album. Um because it had some great songs on it, Bill. The fact that it was a pretty sexy cover, you know, that a lot of teenage boys might have admired, that was just a coincidence. I was there for the music. Absolutely. <laughs> All, right. All right. So are you done? Are you done with your tributes? Yes. Well, I wrote one down and I'm and I am finding it hard to believe that you missed this. Jeff Beck, 76? No. Mick Fleetwood, 73 today. I saw that. Oh. Okay, now here's the thing, Bill. I had a choice. Mick Fleetwood or Carly Simon. You see which way I went there? Well, you know what? If you would have <laughs> called out Nick Mick Fleetwood, you could have played Stevie Nicks. Now, <laughs> now we're back in business. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. I And I do love Fleetwood Mac. Um, but Carly Simon in 1972, sorry. Uh, I hear you. All right. Hey, great guest tonight in Neil Hartman, as always. Uh, who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? July well, next, already, by the way. I know, July 1st. Uh, next week, Bill, we are going to kick off July with uh, one of our favorite guests. He's one of our double-digit visitors, and by that I mean he has been here 10 times, and I guess he's not sick of us yet because he is coming back for number 11. He's an award-winning sports columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer and Inquirer.com, who will talk about the Philly sports scene, of course, and his recent column that had this headline, I don't care if baseball ever comes back. The game has been boring for years. Oh, boy. That is our pal, Mike Sealski. Mike uh, will be here for visit number 11. He's pretty much a Hall of Famer, Bill, in terms of 
our show anyway. And speaking of the Hall of Fame, Bill, uh, how about we talk about adding a few names to our little Philly Sports Hall of Fame next week? Sound good? Absolutely. We're getting to July, and that's our annual uh, Hall of Fame voting time. And uh, we'll we'll be rolling out the new names. We'll be rolling out the uh, guys that remain on the ballot, and we'll set it up, and we'll vote. And the following week, we'll put five more in. Did you happen to look at the list? Because I could not remember who the hell we put in last year, but I did check this morning. Any memory of who we added last year? Uh, you know what? It all runs together to me. No, I didn't look. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no memory of it either. But last year we added members 31 through 35. And we put it to uh, you know our listeners' votes, and we came up with Billy Cunningham, Wilbert Montgomery, and Bobby Jones. So that was 33 members. And then you and I each get to add one. And I had promised last year that if this guy didn't get in, I was going to add him because he was a near miss the previous two years and he just missed out last year. That would be that Tim Kerr. Love Tim Kerr. Another underrated player, by the way. And then you added another Flyers great, Rick McLeish. So now we have 35 members plus a couple of broadcasters, Harry Callis and Gene Hart in our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. Well, and we'll be uh, we'll be adding to it. Uh, it's a, that's always fun. It, you know, we do that over a two week period and, uh, it's always fun that people get to vote and uh, we get their opinions and that's cool. By the way, Chet, uh, we have a note from Brian Brown that Mick Jagger was singing background to your so vain with Carly Simon. Is that uh, a fact? You know, that rings a bell that that could well be true. It's somewhere back in my mind that that is true, but I can't say with 100% certainty, but I don't think Brian would lie to us. And is it, uh, wasn't that song always supposed to have been about James Taylor, or at least that was the thought back in the day? Well, you know, it was supposedly about either Warren Beatty or James Taylor or somebody else, and I forget who the other one was. And I think only one person knows who it is, and is it Warren Buffett or somebody? She agreed to tell some person a few years ago, and that was it. So just one person knows the Warren true Buffett. identity of who she was singing about. Warren Buffett? I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong about that. But maybe yeah, I'm just I hope getting you, I hope Warren are. Beatty. Warren yeah, Beatty was one of the possibilities. So <laughs> somebody knows who the song is about, but it, it ain't me. Uh, hey, let's uh, jump ahead uh, before we run out of time. Parting shot for you tonight? You know, Bill, uh, in terms of a parting shot, we promised our viewers and our listeners that you and I would be doing a little duet <laughs> of the Bowie Queen classic, Under no, Pressure. We didn't. So, no, we you, did. You ready? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Take it, Bill. Uh, you got it. Back to you, back to you, Chet. Can I be Freddie Mercury or do I have to be uh, David Bowie? I don't know. Uh, All right. I tried, folks. I tried. <laughs> oh, that oh, a couple is other crazy. things, just odds and ends. The Dallas Goddard sucker punch, that was crazy. Uh, they did arrest the guy, fortunately, and Dallas is going to be fine. Uh, we didn't talk about this last week. Josh Harris and David Blitzer buying a small stake, 5% or a little less, in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they're just spreading their money around. They have, you know, the, the Devils, the Flyers, and now a bit of the Steelers. They were going after the Mets, too. Crazy. And I also didn't get to ask you last, uh, last week about this, Bill. Last Thursday, June 18th, was National Go Fishing Day. Do you fish? I've never asked if you were a fisherman. Uh, no, I, I'm not. The last time I fished, uh, was with the boys and we were in Hawaii and, uh, we did do that. We had a lot of fun, but as a, as a rule, no, no fishing for me. 
I fished twice in my life and I was 12 or 13 with my cousin and my uncle. And I was there about 10 minutes and I actually caught a fish. It was a foot long catfish that I don't know what happened to. I think we threw it in my freezer at home just because my parents, you know, were trying to be nice to me. And then eventually, you know, tossed it. We never like ate it or did anything with the catfish, certainly. So uh, that was it. Fishing twice in my life. Never again. There you go. All right. Hey, my uh, the only thing I want to add, Chet, tonight, 930 p.m., I will be a guest on Edge of Philly Sports. So I'll be you get to see a lot of my face tonight, unfortunately, for you. <laughs> but uh, 930 tonight, Edge of Philly Sports. Check it out. I'll be over uh, with Al and Fred and uh, and those guys and looking forward to that. Yeah, and they are our partners now, the Edge of Philly Sports Network. So we're going to do more of these, uh, you know, cross-promotional things. And uh, hopefully they'll be joining us more often. We'll be joining them occasionally. We're going to have Joey Delco on with us some Wednesday in July. So uh, Joey's going to be joining us. And please follow us on our YouTube channel, Philly Press Box Radio on YouTube. Check it out. Subscribe to us. It is absolutely free. You'll be glad you did. Wrap it up, Bill. All right, let's wrap it up. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Neil Hartman. Our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA, for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday. That's right, July, July 1st at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook. Listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all the other podcasts. I hope Philadelphia sports fans, and stay safe out there.